The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to the Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my co-captain, Jim. Hello, I'm feeling old and spacious once again. Yeah, fill in, fill in the space with your old. Uh, this installment of Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode travelogue through the second season of Space 1999 where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today, we are talking about the ninth episode, Brian the Brain! Hijacked by a robot, a living machine with a brain, a human voice, and a terrifying secret. This is directed by Kevin Connor, written by Jack Ronder, and guest starring Bernard Cribbins' voice. Uh, so Connor, he's a new director here. He'll do another episode this season, but he says some notable things. Uh, the director of Motel Hell. Ah. Yeah. Everybody's at least every every Gen Xer, uh, old millennial has seen that VHS cover. I, I, I own I own it on VHS. I'm proper awesome. Owner. um he did the land that time forgot at earth's core six episodes of heart to heart a moonlighting episodes and then like starting in the 90s to present day just tv movie city of nothing i can tell you about it looks like all through the 70s he was doing like a scorsese um de niro thing with uh doug mcclure Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just he like, had a lot of Doug McClure. Yeah. The time for God at the Earth's core, the people of time for God, and Warlords of Atlantis all have Doug McClure in them. Yeah, and I did so, notice McClure was in there. A please couple please of don't them. ask me why I know that off the top of my head. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, the writer Ronder he uh, he did six episodes of Terry Nation's show, The Survivors, and he did an episode of Z Cars, which is a really popular British show that I mean ran for like almost eight hundred episodes. He did wow. some other TV. I am not familiar with it, but those are the, the notables. Bernard Cribbins. This guy is a, a legend. Uh, he, He's no BE. Yes. On he, top of a league of legend. <laughs> he is, of course, um, you know, star of British stage on screen. Um, but he, <laughs> he was in the Hammer film She. He was in Hitchcock's Frenzy episode. Uh, the Avengers, lots of lots of that. Uh, but he so is also in a bunch of the Carry On movies. In one, he played he is. Midsh- Midshipman Albert Poopdecker. So there you go. He is a he um, is a, a weird, uh, interesting Doctor Who stat. He was in the second Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie, Daleks Invasion of Earth, twenty one fifty A.D., and also uh, regular series regular for David Tennant's fourth season on the new show as Wilfred Mott. Um, which, you know, he's been in two, like, not connected Doctor Who universes. He's been in the, the TV movie and the 
series proper, or not the TV movie, but the the spinoff, whatever remakes uh, with Peter Cushing, and then the modern series. So that's a interesting way to go and there. He was a hotel inspector. He was a hotel inspector on Faulty Towers. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So give him that as well. Legend guys, and he's like he's like almost a hundred years old, still kicking. Good for him, man. Hopefully this hopefully nothing bad happens to him and our recording isn't dated with that. <laughs> what? Those Americans made a podcast about me. <laughs> like, wow, they're really rude to the day. He just died days ago and they're talking about him still kicking. <laughs> Jackasses. Man. Old space jerks, man. So uh this episode we Start with uh, Helena Log. Which... <laughs> 11, 1,150 days. Yes. Uh, since the explosion. So, for everybody keeping score at home, for everybody scratching that prison wall with chalk. Um... Well, we keep talking about like the, the Trek influences this season, you know, with Freiburger on board. And this is definitely one of them. We've had several episodes now start with, you know, your exposition, uh, given as Helena's log, which mm-hmm. I mean, is a good, it's a, it's a neat and tidy way to get your, uh, get everything set up before your first commercial break. Yeah. And it's interesting. They choose her and not Koenig to be the one to yeah. do it. That is, which... that is true. Why, Why would not? your medical officer keep the log? That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> she knows how to use the recording equipment. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> At least it's not Tony, all right? Yeah, right. You just talk about his beer or whatever. Yeah, like, so I made some. <laughs> so I made some beer. Ma seemed to like it. She's real pretty. Anyway, made a stout today. Um, Alan beat me up on the way to school. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, during a review of the record of Alpha's journey, mm. the computer. I need to ask something a- about that. I'm so- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before we get to like the thing or whatever. They're doing this thing. They said they're, they are, this is what they said. They are finally putting all of their knowledge into their computer. Yeah. Well, okay, late where, was, where was it? Where was it before? It was it like sitting in piles of papers or like a bunch of spiral bound notebooks or I mean, what, you know, I mean, what, so what I is just, your computer for? You I know? just need to get all of that out, you know? <laughs> We've used up almost, We've used up almost a 640K of RAM. <laughs> oh, and during this, man, it opens up with some, uh, what you would call, steamy white hot indifference with Russell and Koenig. Yes. Off the bat, <laughs> like, God, Mom, Dad, oh, not here. Koenig's thirsty, man. He is. He He's thirsty. We haven't had any time off together since we started this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, damn. Like to talk my eagle on your in your moon base, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> He's thirsty for Helena. It's funny. It, it is, yeah, it's they are big, really but they're really playing that up. This I mean, in this episode especially, too, they really play that up. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um so they um Wow. They're unable to, right. They're unable to locate the source of whatever is pulling the moon off course. You mean their change of horizon? The change of horizon, yes. Change of horizon factor. Factor. The the big screen comes up and says, change. 
And I'm like, okay, change what? And then it says, oh. change of horizon factor. And I think that's going to be my new prog rock band name. The change yeah. of horizon factor. I think change of hor- there cool. you go. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, so they're unable to locate whatever they're pulling the moon off course. The Alphans assume the worst, a collision course with a black dwarf. And like Koenig, Tony Cox. I'm sorry. Uh, Koenig orders an evacuation of the base by saying, evacuate, like 90 times. Evacuation. Evacuate. Yeah, they, no, I want to listen. Another one of those signs that only says one thing again. Yep. They have a lot of these in the show, I've noticed. It's like a screen, it's just a, a, a like a light board that says evacuate. Yeah, you can see and, it cut in. They're trying to make it look like a TV screen, but it's not. Yeah, it's totally not at all. I'm sure yeah. on like old 70s tube television, it looked just like a TV screen, but now that we have it in high definition. Yes, sorry, pal. But um, I, I'm just wondering about this. Like six eagles get blasted up there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's still there. Who evacuates? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, wait, is this a mission or an evacuation? Like, wait, what? Like, the only guy they show up there, and, and Alan isn't even in this episode, I don't think. But the guy no. they show up there is another different pilot we've never seen before. He's yeah. like the only one we see on any of the Eagles up there. There's like six of them flying around. Who the hell evacuated? And where are they going? Like, they're just floating around. Yeah, exactly. Like- they're just going to float around up there or what? Yeah. And it's funny, during this time, like, all of them are looking out uh, at this, like, display monitor and ooing and aahing and freaking out about stuff. And it just looks like space to me. Like, I'm like, what am I? Well, am I missing something? Like, what am to I? Be fair, to be fair, I did put in the notes that they uh, rotated the map painting about 40 degrees. Yeah. Degrees at one point. So right. there you go. That's what it was. It was the map painting being tilted okay. slightly. I was like, am I missing something here? But I'm just um, wondering, I, I was same thing. Where are they evacuating to? Why are they evacuating? Because, like, I mean, where are they going to go? If it's a black, mm-hmm. I, I guess you mean black hole when they say black dwarf. Yeah, right? probably. Um, right. Where are they going to go? I mean, what? what and who are these people that left? And they're just like, yeah, and they're just going to evacuate right now. I mean. In a minute. Nope, no questions. Yep. Go, 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 yep, go. We're not going to look into this at all. We're not going to ah, investigate. Ah, get nice, the hell out funny. of here. Good one, sir. Ah, go, go, go. Yep. Watch your step. Oh, go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so oh. while they're doing a visual sweep of the surrounding space, a ship is spotted and uh, two eagles are sent to investigate because they're already out evacuating, right? And well, uh, might I as guess well the do pilot, while they're out there. <laughs> the pilot of the one is Bill Fraser, our. Um, Sure. Our Alan Carter replacement guy. Sure. Uh, so You'd the pilot so. ship. That's what this is telling me right now. Uh, the <laughs> okay. pilot. Remember, we were like. They don't, oh, they don't tell you that in the show at all. No. <laughs> so, it's just this tall guy who took over for who was like standing in for Alan. So. Right. Uh, the pilot ship identifies it as Swift, also from Earth, that got lost on a star mission in 1996. Yes, the USS Taylor Swift lost right. all these years uh, later. The uh, computer, fi- computer verifies the story, and the pilot says he has not seen anyone too long and asks if he can come down to Alpha for lunch. And Kodak says, sure. Now, this computer, this, well, sorry, didn't want to spoil there, but this voice, I was like, wow, like hillbilly British, like not quite Cockney or whatever, but it was like, hey, y'all, go it, it was really weird the way Cribbins voice comes across here um it was it was an attempt at whimsy 
yes. I believe. And a I, failed attempt, but an attempt nonetheless. <laughs> and I had to ask myself, like, are they open to this guy, like, coming down or whatever because the voice is, like, friendly sounding? Like, if it was one of, like, the, our typical more raspy or guys, like, would they be open right. to coming and have a little, like, it was like, moon base alpha, <laughs> I haven't seen humans in thousands of years. May I come have lunch with you? They wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, come on down. Could be like, you wait a minute here, lunch man. Like, you know, like. Lunch man. They're like really, really uh, we've quick had to be several... like, yeah, come on down. Exactly. And then what blew my mind about it was they've had this happen to them so many damn times where somebody mm-hmm. comes to Alpha and every other time they're like super cautious, like. Uh, you know, the episode right after this, we're going to talk about an episode, you know, an alien, they should, you know, trust them, super cautious. Do you ever, you know what I mean? Like we, the Tabor was like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I, we had so many episodes like this and then one comes along is like, well, I'm kind of folksy and funny and goofy and stuff. <laughs> and they let him right on. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, huh? So it lands and Koenig and Russell and two security guards go to investigate the ship. Now, have we seen these purple sleeve uniforms before? I don't think I've seen purple on sleeves. Like they, the two so. guys they, they take with them had purple sleeves. So I was like, ooh. And they had those flaps too. They had those like epaulette flaps kind of on the chest. They yeah. didn't look familiar either. Yeah. It was either interesting. I was like, my, my super nerdy new Space 1999 fandom. Those, knows <laughs> those uniforms are not in continuity, I'm afraid. Um, when are, when are the, uh, Kenner figures going to come out for those? Cause I don't have a guy with, I would like him with a mustache, please. If you make a generic general, <laughs> general security guy. Uh, so that's the chase figure. Yes. Mustache. There we go. Uh, when they board uh, security takes a look around, but can find no one on board. The <gasps> voice, the voice speaks again and says he will come to meet them. And a robot rolls out the, from the cockpit to greet what? them. What? What? A robot? Okay, let's first of all, before this, there's a little scene when they're on the ship and they're kind of like, they have the guns out and there's no one there and it's very quiet and they kind of play it for that kind of spookiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was, seemed to me, reminded me a little bit of Alien. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene later in the same, the same episode that also reminds me of Alien. Um, so I just wanted to mention that now for later. So stay oh, tuned. You're, oh, you're like planting a seed. I'm Easter egging myself. Yes. You know, uh, the movie Enjoy. alien had a scene where somebody got a seed planted in them. That was, yes, they did. I remember. So. And let's talk about, uh, the robot for a second. Yes. Please describe now, the robot. Does, well, does it look to you like a, a Lego dorm fridge or B, <laughs> <laughs> a primary color painted overhead projector. Both. It looked like both to me. Yes, Either yes, or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you said overhead projector, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it looks it's shaped like one. It has it even has the big uh, thing on the head, like with the yeah. it's for the strobe light though, instead of like an overhead, but still it's the same concept. The souped up overhead projector with wheels that motorized wheels. And I wrote in here, I wrote in my notes, hey, Star Wars has cute uh, idiosyncratic robots. Let's do that. But then I looked and I realized this came out before Star Wars. Yeah, so pretty, I, will, I must mark. I must mark that off and strike myself. So George is right. George is watching it. He's like, "All oh. right, I'm gonna take this and do something with it." What computers don't have to be Hal? No, no. Uh, so 
The robot tells him that his crew died while investigating a nearby planet and that he has been waiting for another mission from Earth since that time. When asked what he should be called, he says the first word he ever spoke was brain, but he got it wrong and it came out Brian, and they could call him that. And fans of Pinky the Brain will immediately realize this as being something they use in the cartoon a lot. Yeah. Mistaking him as being named Brian. And you, brain. Know, you notice when they, I love when they leave the, the brain, Brian, Brian's ship and the guy steps on like the antenna and the robot's like, hey, don't step on my yeah. antenna. Like, oh shit. Oh my God. <laughs> it's wow. like kicking the robot nuts. I'm like, whoa, maybe you should be dragging it behind you like that. When they show that dragon behind him, I'm like, okay, that must be plot specific, first of all. And then second of all, is this supposed to be doing that? Yeah. But it turns out, no, it was supposed to be doing that. It yes. Wasn't just a... okay. yeah. uh, so Conan asks if he has recorded a change in the moon's course. Brian asks if he means a gravity pull from planet D and states that he has not, but he would check into it. And after planet a brief... D, where, where, where all Sunny D comes from. Planet D's nuts, right? Is that what they? No. Oh. Yeah. But that's what the bros would say. Um. So. On my honeymoon, I took my wife to Planet D. Hey now. Oh. This is that episode little, of the show. Little, little spicy ribaldry out there for everybody. Enjoy. <laughs> oh gosh. So after a brief visit to command center, he says he will return to Swift to investigate Alpha's change of course. Um, they also like Tony. He's pretty amused with the brain. Like oh, Maya's yeah, like, great. eh, fuck this thing, and Tony's like, ha, brain, Brian. Maya literally says, "I have a bad feeling about this." She does exactly. Notice word that, yeah. for word. <laughs> yeah. And Tony's like, like "Wow, a, a robot with more personality than I have. Cool." Yeah. yeah. It's not hard. It's not a high bar to reach. And this is where I noticed that Fraser was back. And like, uh, yeah, he was, he shows up somewhere and whatever. Um, but, the, uh, let's see here. Uh, he invites the robot invites Helena along to see if she can offer any information as to why his crew and more importantly, his captain died. She accepts and Koenig asks to go along after they've left. Maya expresses her concerns about the brain to Tony. And she uh -huh. asks him to open a channel to Swift, but the computer has ceased functioning and all their <gasps> communications have gone down. The Swift has taken off and is flying erratically. You mean they had ulterior motives all along? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm shocked. Yep, 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 yep. If you can see this, if this were a video podcast, you can see how shocked my face is. It's pretty shocked, folks. Like, you imagine take, shocked take, and then times 10. Take my word for it. You can hear his words, so you can take them for it. I was like, here's what I wrote in my notes. Brian the Brain kidnaps Koenig and Helena, and everyone, for some reason, is surprised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, John and Helena, they've been kidnapped by the Brain. Koenig demands that they be returned to Alpha, but Brian threatens to blow them into space if Koenig doesn't put down his weapon. He does. I don't need oxygen. Yeah. He does, and Brian drops it through the trap door. And Tony goes after the Swift with, like, four eagles. And I love that, like, he goes to Fraser on this, and Fraser's just this casual dude. Like, there's all this trouble happening. He's just, like, kind of like, 
I don't know, man. Go fix stuff. Okay, sure. Let's do. It. Cool. Cool. Let's do it, cool. All right, man. I'm well, only really on this show till the other guy comes back, man. Yeah, right. So the thing I really hated about this episode, and they kept doing it, it was the forced banter between Tony and Maya. Yeah. I, I, kept, I kept writing like bad banter, bad banter. It's like see my notes here like three times. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, well, maybe oh, you're a good computer then, but you know, he calls her a computer sometimes, and mm-hmm. and I noticed a couple times in this episode. They said good girl to her. Yeah. Good Ooh. girl. Clever like, girl. What is she, 12? Yeah. She's got bigger sideburns than you, you bastard. She turned into a tiger and eat you. Be nice. Dude, that's good true. Girl. So uh, Brian plans to blind their counterparts, but Koenig asks to speak to them. Uh, Brian allows him to. John orders the eagles back to Alpha. Tony sends the other eagles back, but when he discovers the brain's destination, he decides to go to planet D ahead of them. But he uses Maya as the computer. Yeah. That's what he says. I don't understand what that means. Yeah, like, I don't. Is she doing calculations for their thing in her head? Or is she like telepathically lined up with was that Koenig and Helena? They were, they were really explaining like how they were going to do it, right? Right. Yeah. It. So... It was weird. I was just like, okay. Okay, plot. That's the thing she can do now, I guess. Of course. She's not from Earth, right? So she can do whatever we need her to do. Um, Back on the Swift, uh, Brian is conducting a little experiment. He asks John and Helena if they love each other. They tell him no. So to test this, uh, he puts them both into separate airlocks and tells them that as he releases the air, they can transfer their remaining air to the airlock by pressing a black button and I put I wrote my notes oh boy we literally have a plot that is their love on the line yeah yeah well there's that for and he also the uses airlock the pain, challenge the airlock challenge he uses the pain spotlight on them to get them there too yes and he's really obsessed with knowing if they love each other yeah. I need to know I need to know if you love each other do you love her it's like what are you like an eighth grade girl trying to ship them? What is going on, man? <laughs> I, don't I understand. must understand the human equation. And he explains it forever, too. He's mm-hmm. like, now you see that red black button? How about you? Do you see that black button? Now, if you press that button, I'm just like, oh, please mm-hmm. stop being so. You don't even have a mouth and you're being too verbose. Stop. Right. Just stop. So. As their air gets thinner, both John and Helena press their buttons at exactly the same time to the delight of Brian, who opens the airlocks and lets them out, secure in the belief that as long as he has one, he has controller control over the other. They land on planet D, and Brian has <laughs> Koenig put on a spacesuit. John asks why, and Brian tells him that he wants to walk him to walk over to the mothership and bring back its fuel core. On his way... Nothing, go ahead. Oh, on his way, Koenig finds members of Brian's crew lying dead on the planet without their spacesuits, and he continues on to the mothership. Now, I thought this stuff with Koenig wandering this scary planet looked cool. I, I was I was enjoying the aesthetic of this. Yeah, I, um, I do uh I noticed they had the exact same ladder on the other ship as mm-hmm. on the, the, the Eagle. That was pretty funny, but it was yeah. like the opposite. It was shot from the opposite side. 
Um, yeah. It was just super funny there. And um, all through this time, this um, this planet sequence, there's like this weird choral music. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like a chorus, like a, a voices, a, a voice chorus. And I'm just like, what? I mean, I I get it if it was like, ooh, or something spooky or whatever, but it wasn't. It was like almost like a church chorale. It was really weird. Weird yeah. choice. It was a, yeah. I did note that the score was interesting here, um, but like I yeah, I like the look of what they pulled off here with this like planet surface and stuff mm-hmm. and this kind of very very much like you had mentioned Alien earlier, like when they're on LV four twenty six in the first one and it's all windy and shit. That kind of mm-hmm. same yeah. Kinda Who knows? Maybe a young Dan O'Bannon saw this. So uh, when he boards, he finds Tony and Maya waiting for him. They find the body of Captain Michael, Brian's creator. Uh, Maya checks the ship's computer and finds that it has been blinded like Alpha's was. That's why the crew went out without their spaceships while trying to find the fuel core. Koenig finds what looks like parts to another brain, and he has an idea of how to get at Brian by breaking his mind. Maya says she got a good look at Captain Michael and turns into a mouse so Koenig can smuggle her aboard Swift in his pocket. Which I, I also have here. Abandoned, dark, cobwebbed, eroded spaceship. My aesthetic. <laughs> I, always love, I always love haunted spaceships. So even no matter what, I, I appreciate I appreciate them. I love it. Um, I noticed something weirdly, but he gets back to the eagle, and he's going up the ladder. He's holding the flashlight. He just kind of throws it on the ground. Yeah, I, I just kind of stuck out. It was weird. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, <clears throat> so, so have a whole bunch of flashlights. They can just throw them away. Whatever yeah, just they throw want. them all you want. She's Koenig. We have a you know most sci-fi have food generators. We have flashlight generators, right. so we just have more. Universal um, currency flashlights. It's right next to our constant supply of nukes that we have on this. <laughs> uh, Koenig returns to the fuel core and immediately sets about shaking Brian up. He tells Brian he saw the crew lying dead on the surface and Captain Michael sitting dead in the command chair. Brian falters, but makes Koenig install the fuel core. Elated at his, he does nuisance, a dance. Oh god, he has like a robot orgasm. A happy fuel dance, I wrote in big letters with an exclamation point. He's like spinning around. Oh my god, I got the fuel. It's like way too uh it was uh, it was a little cringe. It was so exciting. It was a little weird. Yeah. Uh later at his new sense of freedom, Brian lifts off. Koenig removes Maya from his pocket and places her on Brian's antenna. Brian wants to know where the mouse came from. Koenig tells him it came from planet D. <laughs> and that it has a message from Captain Michael. <laughs> he had a, it has the stupidest sound. I know. That mouse has a message for you. I'm like, what? Never, oh, hello. Well, Captain Michael. <laughs> uh, he and Helena accused Brian of killing the creator, his creator, because he was working for a better brain. Brian denies it. And Koenig tells him that Captain Michael told him so. Maya transforms into his father and Brian short circuit. That is the stupidest sounding sentence of things. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> no, well, it um, yeah, he did. Well, and just like I alien, thought... they blow, they blow Brian out of the airlock. Right. And he's like hanging there by a thread, just like an alien as well. Um, by his antenna. 
Yeah. Oh, so when he is sufficiently disoriented, they push him out of the airlock, but his antenna gets caught, suspending him short distance from the ship. Koenig tells Tony to dock with the Swift. They have to get the memory core from the brain and get it back to Alpha. They're not sure if they'll be able as long as Brian's antenna is still working. Koenig decides to cut it, but Brian threatens to wipe his memory clean if Koenig does. Believing this an empty threat, Koenig decides to go ahead. Brian pleads for his life, in quotations, and Uh Koenig makes a deal. They will let him, quote-unquote, live if he will give them his memory core intact. Brian tells him to take that. And that he that all he wanted was life and friends. He breaks down, starts to cry, much to the surprise of the Alphans. I wrote here, you will believe a robot can cry. <laughs> That's the perfect tagline. <laughs> also, they mentioned that they blinded him and they took his memory core away. Mm-hmm. What the hell is left? Yeah. Like what's left, right? That's his hard drive and his uh and all of his sensors, right? That's everything. What what is it? He's just like but I didn't understand like how they were letting him live by taking like every, like is that like you know I have no mouth and I'm a scream he'll be trapped in like VR forever without being able to right you know, that's horrible the lawnmower man yeah I think I think about things these things probably more than I should so <laughs> so they returned to Alpha with the memory core get their computer functioning again and learned that the moon had never changed course that was another life life from Brian to the uh, Brian the brain. After some deliberation, they decide to return Brian's memory core to Swift with their morality programmed in it. John asks Helena (laughs) if they have any off-duty time that coincides. She tells him it's been used up for the month. He says he had wanted to discuss the love test. Maya asks about it, and Helena tells her it was a test they failed. John says he thought they had passed it. Okay, wait a minute. Use saxophone. They say they want to give the robot the Ten Commandments when they reprogram. Did you hear that part? Yes. <laughs> like, okay, so you're going to take this this killer psychopathic robot and teach him the Ten Commandments. That's going to make him okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sure. Give him a whole lot yeah. of absolutes. Yeah, that's going to do good. That's going to, yeah, that'll work. And yeah. uh, I wrote also in my notes here, Koenig, still thirsty. Gosh, that guy is thirsty. <laughs> Even after all that he went through, he almost got killed by a you know a Lego dorm fridge. All that he went through, and now you know he's still like, hey Helena, come on, about some hey. job, you know. Hey Helena, you want to go back down to Planet D? Uh... Yeah, uh, this is very kind of paint by numbers space nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's kind of the of... same. Same plot we've seen in several episodes already, just with a different, uh, you know, actor coming in to be the. What? What happened to my former crew? That's gone. Oh, I did it. Sorry, you know that kind of thing. Whoops, goofy me. What happened to this spaceship we had here? Oh, yeah, it's the thing we met from earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some things. There were some things I did like about this, but not like it had enough interesting to fill maybe like a 22 minute episode but at a full length hour uh, i don't know between between the folksy robot and this like tepid banter between tony and maya they kept interjecting with this episode i was just like ugh. yeah another another one for the the bin of season two that's off is it more a season where we are what this was episode nine or nine. It's definitely being 
definitely been goofier this season. Yeah. And there's definitely more action this season, but it seems to be a little more formulaic this season. Very, yeah, more formulaic. There's less to chew on. I feel like there's at least in some of the worst of the stuff that didn't work last the previous season, there's at least ideals or ideas or concepts that open to conversation more than right. even if the episode wasn't good, there's there was good conversation. This is just like, remember when he shot at that guy? Oh, yeah. And then that robot showed it. Like, there's, it's very. Which very weirdo's going to show up this week to try yeah. to destroy us? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very like, you know, like, oh, I like Space Now. You like, just, this is just dumb Star Trek knockoff thing. And then they see this episode and you're like, oh, they got proven right. You know, like, but there's good yeah. stuff in that previous, the first season. This one. There's good stuff in this season, too. It's just, yeah. um, like I said, it's a little it's goofier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's the influence of Freiburger. Well, oh, one hundred percent, yeah, definitely. And then we more uh, action oriented uh, thrust they're trying to go for. So, gotcha. Yep, yep, agree. Um, well, uh, that'll do it for another Moon Buggy adventure. In the meantime, Jim, where can people find you? Well, uh, every week you can check me out on Nothing's On, uh, the podcast where we. Uh, cover every our, a week's worth of uh, TV, movie, and entertainment news with myself, professional comedian Donnie Salvo, and the man, the mogul himself, Daryl Taylor, who's the podcast network is named after. Uh, every week, uh, usually on Mondays, we publish that. Uh, you could go up to your Amazon Alexa and say, hey, Alexa, play Nothing's On Podcast, and she'll play it. It'll be great. Or you can listen to over on HHWLOD.com. We're covering the Walking Dead TV podcast. Uh, We're covering Fear of the Walking Dead right now. We're about halfway through the season. And we're about to wrap up uh, the Walking Dead World Beyond. Uh, So, you know, as it wraps up toward the actual season finale that's coming uh, sometime next year, we're covering everything that's happening along the way. So that's the Walking Dead TV podcast at HHWLOD.com. Excellent. 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 Hashtag Brian the Lame. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at WiseToBlue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters show this very week. Uh, Everybody tomorrow in America, our American audiences, if you're doing Thanksgiving, have a good one. Eat a lot of fun stuff and things. And uh, if you're Black Friday shopping, may every deal you wish upon take from your bank account what you want it to and all that fun stuff but uh, from us here at the old space show that's alpha out thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters written and edited by brandon peters announcer vocals by jessica alsman Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.
Thank you.